welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Friday, November 15th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, joined by John DeShazer. We'll have our Fantasy Football Friday later in the show, but first we have to talk to our good friend Mike Neighbors, broadcaster who covers both the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and especially the New Orleans Saints. He hosts an exclusive one-on-one interview on CST with Drew Brees following every Saints game, and he hosts a series called Errands with Saints players and many other cool people. The resume goes on. Mike, how you doing? Great to be on with you, Caroline and J.D. Of course, we're happy to have you. Mike, first things first, we have to start with the news of the day. Anyone who's anyone is going to be talking about it. The The incident last night with Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph, what is your, your initial thoughts on that incident last night? Well, I was just shocked. I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like that. And, and I think, you know, if there's any good news, it's that nobody was seriously hurt because it definitely could have happened. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the fallout from this. I, you know, I listened to Miles Garrett's comments after the game, and I didn't know. I don't know if he was just shocked or didn't know the the gravity of the situation. But I wonder if he wakes up this morning and it hits him differently because you know everything I know about Miles Garrett, he's never been in trouble before. I remember watching Hard Knocks? He's writing poetry in his hotel room. I mean, he seems like a pretty even-tempered guy. And I know you know athletes lose on the football field, but there are going to be serious ramifications. I. I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL suspends him the rest of the year. Maybe beyond that, we'll see. Yeah, I don't think he quite gets it, Mike, because you know I think, and I don't want to say he feel felt victimized, but he, he I think in the moment he felt that when Mason Rudolph went after his helmet, that gave him the justification for yeah. going after Mason Rudolph's helmet. Now the rest of it is just crazy, beyond crazy. As you mentioned, we haven't ever ever seen anything like that on a football field uh, where a guy not just snatched off the helmet because usually it ends right there. When the helmet comes off, it ends and everybody's like, all right, all right, whoa, 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 back up. But to have right. it go to that level, but you know, and that's what I think, you know, post-game he was probably still thinking, oh, well, he went after mine, so I went after his. And yep. it, it seemed that way anyway. I can't speak for him, but that's what it sounded like. Yeah, he was saying all the right things, John, but I would like to do an interview with him Saturday compared to what he said after the game on Thursday night, because I'm a firm believer that most players and most athletes are good people. I think sometimes we get lost in the Antonio Browns of the world and they get the spotlight. And it's a shame when a story like this happens, because I think it hurts NFL players in general, because sometimes there's a stigma that, oh yeah, they're just all rough guys. And, and, but you know what? We've never seen anything quite like this. I don't know miles Garrett well at all, but I do know he's never been in trouble before. And I do know that sometimes when you play sports, you lose it, but you can't lose it that way. That was just going uh, way uh, above and beyond. And unfortunately, even if he is, and it seems like he is a good guy, that is going to tarnish his reputation moving forward. But do you think because this is, you know, a first time offense for him, that's going to help him moving forward? Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I think we've seen players around the league that have been suspended, uh, you know, for good reason because they've been in trouble so many times. But I think because of, of how serious this is and how this is such an outlier, it's something we haven't seen before. And because the NFL is so sensitive with concussion protocol and with player safety these days, Miles Garrett's going to play the, pay the price no matter if he's had an offense or not. I mean, I think it's it just because of what he did. I don't think precedence really matters in this situation. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you start at the six games to finish out this season and maybe eight uh, total, you know, half a season maybe. But but I will say this in terms of him repairing his his reputation. If, if 
if it can be done. As a good player, it it will happen because he'll play well enough. And, you know, my reflection on that is, you know, and I, and I read a comparison, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, once threw a punch at Kent Benson and broke Kent Benson's jaw in a, in a basketball game. Uh, Juan Marichal uh, approached yep. the mound with a baseball bat uh, and, and split a guy's head. And both of those guys ended up in the Hall of Fame in their respective sports. So it, it can be done as a player. You can – you know, repair and, and resurrect yourself, you know, reputation-wise. Now, that's always going to be on the resume, though. That's always going to be there, but it won't prevent him from being, you know, you know, I guess, you know, going to the Hall of Fame if he's a good enough player. It won't keep him off the field long enough for that, but I think you start at eight games, to be honest with you. I mean, it was so egregious, and it could have been so – so much more worse than it turned out to be. But how do you how do you rebuild that reputation? Because well, you you know I you think can only ba- hear I'm sorry so many times. But I think I think I think Baker it. Mayfield, his quarterback, had the best response to it. You know, own up to it, mm-hmm. uh, own up to yeah. it, apologize for it, and then you got to be clean from there on. I mean, he's you know you got to own up to it. Obviously, uh, you've got to apologize for it. Obviously, and from there on, you've got to be if not spotless, pretty close to spotless. I mean, you certainly can't have that. You know, he's going to have more personal fouls if he plays football at some point in time. You know, he's going to have more, you know, penalties and those kinds of things. But he's got to be clean off the field. And he can't have any more – he can't be a, a punch thrower or a guy who's caught, you know, grabbing people and punching people and choking people underneath the pile and that kind of thing. You know, it can be done. Mm-hmm. Will he be able to do it? That's the question. Yeah. Mike, I want to get into uh, the Bucks and Saints game upcoming on this Sunday, but I do want to take you back to a few weeks ago when you were doing your post-game one-on-one interview with Drew Brees, and, and he flat-out said, I'm playing on borrowed time. We know as yeah. fans and as members of the media that you know careers end, football is going to end for Drew Brees at some point. Were you at all shocked when he said that, or was it just kind of, wow, he's admitting it, he's kind of, he kind of knows what's going on, and he knows that he's playing on borrowed time? Well, he changed my opinion with that statement, Caroline, because I, I was a firm believer, Drew, just, just relax and, and rest and, you know, get better after the bye week. But, you know, this is why Drew Brees is great, because the tone of that interview changed when I asked him about, are you going to beat the timetable in returning? And his whole facial expression changed. Yeah, I'll beat it. <laughs> and we've seen that from Drew Brees <clears throat> between the lines. His teammates have seen it very much, but... When he mentioned borrowed time, you know, you have to appreciate that from an athlete, excuse me, who's done it this long. You know, he's, there's a reason why he's been great for so long because he pushes himself this way and he feels like every game potentially, you know, could be his last. And I know Drew said many times in really recent years that he appreciates the game more than he did. And of course, you're going to appreciate things more when you get older. But I think the fact that he's exceeded his expectations, I mean, he, he's admitted he's never, he never thought he'd play this long. And frankly, I don't know if he ever imagined he'd have the kind of career he had. He hoped he did. But the fact that he's exceeded expectations and he continues to play well, you know, he just keeps working hard so he can keep on keeping on right now. You know, I, I thought that was one of the most honest answers I have ever heard. Uh, Drew Brees or any athlete give when he said, you know, the borrowed time thing. Uh, Now they move on to Tampa, and we know, you know, Tampa has had its struggles, and yet it seems like every other week 
you know, they might not have the record to show for it, but this team puts together one of those games where you say, you know what, they shouldn't be three and six. They they shouldn't be, yeah. you know, a team that that has a, a sub five hundred record. What are some of the besides Jameis Winston's turnovers, obviously, but what are some of the issues that seem to be plaguing Tampa to where they just can't quite flip it? You know what, I saw an interesting stat this week. The the, the Bucks let go Vernon Hargraves. Yes. And in that twenty sixteen draft the players selected before Vernon Hargraves and the players selected selected right after Vernon Hargraves are both currently on the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eli Apple was selected before Vernon Hargraves, Shelton Rankins right after him. To me, that shows the difference between the Saints and the Bucks, especially recent history. They haven't drafted well. The Saints have drafted well. They haven't hit on free agents. The Saints have hit really well on free agency. You see with Eli Apple, you see with Shelton Rankins, you see with Vernon Hargraves. To me, that is a, a classic case of what's wrong with the Bucks. They have a ton of talent on offense, a ton of talent. I mean, Mike Evans, the numbers he's put up, he, he's flirting with his sixth straight 1,000-yard receiving season. You have Chris Godwin, one of the best complimentary wide receivers. But they haven't had a running game, and the offensive line hasn't played well. When they put a lot of money into that offensive line, I mean, we saw it last year when the Bucks came into the Superdome with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, that was the – a shootout. Yes. And they and they put up those kind of numbers all year, but the defense isn't there. To me, the reason why the Saints are the are the Saints is because they play complimentary football. They have a great defense. They have great special teams. The Bucks seem to be top heavy year in, year out. They have a great offense, but not a great defense. And even within the offense, a great passing game, but not a good running game. And you can't win in the NFL like that. Because of the game that the Saints had last weekend against the Falcons, and Cam Jordan talked about it a little bit in the locker room this week, and you know a record doesn't tell the Atlanta Falcons story, but last game it seemed like the Saints overlooked them a little bit. And, and Cam Jordan yeah. said the defensive line just didn't step up. They didn't do their assignments. Do you think they are going to come out this game and kind of prove, hey, we're not overlooking anyone. We are going to perform to our best ability during this game and every game to fulfill the season. Well, we're about to find out. But as you guys know, there is precedence in the Champagne era of games like this. I mean, we saw it with the Bucks back in 2009 well, they lost to him down the stretch, and, and oh, by the way, that turned out pretty well for the Saints. The next year, in, in 2010, they lost to the Cleveland Browns at home, bounced back and made the playoffs. And in 2011, they lost at St. Louis to the Rams and bounced back. The difference to me is this regime hasn't had a regular season loss like they did against Atlanta. Now, they've had postseason heartbreakers against Minnesota and, of course, the no-call, but they haven't had a regular season loss like this. They've, they've always played really well after slow, starting slow out of the gate, so to answer your question, I mean, we'll see. I, I really feel like the matchups are good for the Saints in a lot of ways against the Bucks because the Bucks are talented, but, again, they're top-heavy. I mean, their secondary is really young. You take away Vernon Hargraves, I mean, they've drafted five members of their secondary in the second and third rounds of the draft the last couple of years, and that's the heart and soul of that secondary. So you would think Drew Brees and Michael Thomas would enjoy that matchup. And then on the defensive line, I think the Saints will definitely bounce back on the D-line. That Buccaneer offensive line has really struggled. A lot of people in Tampa like to blame the Bucs' struggles on Jameis Winston, and, and trust me, he's a big culprit, but he's not the only culprit. He doesn't get a lot of protection. The running game has gotten better, but that offensive line is really an Achilles heel for that team. You know, Mike, they're fantastic against when it comes to stopping the run, only out, allowing about 78 yards a game. 
And I guess some of that contributes to what happens in the secondary because if you can't run it against them, obviously you got to throw yeah. it to move it. Uh, but how much confidence do they have in those young guys back there to release the Hargreaves? And, I, you know, none of us know the exact situation there, but he is a talented player. He did start that October 6th game here, and he's been a starter for them uh, since he stepped into, into the building pretty much. So, you know, how much confidence does that mean they have in that secondary? Well, I think it's 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 two entities there. Bruce Arians came in to fix Jameis Winston and also fix the culture of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We saw back in OTAs he wasn't happy with Vernon Hargraves. He sat Vernon Hargraves down back in OTAs, guys, and said, I didn't like his effort. And changing the culture means I'm going to say, I don't care who you are, I'm going to get rid of you if you're not hustling and if you're not playing to the way that I want you to play. And I think they've made an example of Vernon Hargraves, and they've also – <clears throat> to me, you know, they're going to save $9 million. If he got hurt down the stretch, they'd have to pay him $9 million. So it's a financial deal. It's also a message sent. But this young secondary, to me, has to grow up in a hurry. And if it doesn't pay off now, they're hoping it pays off eventually because they're going to have to grow up. They feel like they have talent back there, but they're still maturing. And that's why I think it's a great matchup for the Saints. Okay, Mike. Now, before we get to the to the end of this thing, because we're about to wrap, um, I, I've got to ask you. I've got to ask you this. Okay, you you jumped in the pool fully suited in Jacksonville, correct? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, are you going to? I was going to get in trouble for that, but they liked it up there. I was worried about that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So, so, are you going to like put on an eye patch and jump on the pirate ship at Tampa, or you know, what are we going? What are we going to do there? What do we have planned? Um, you know what? I'm going to be very even keel. It's my, it's kind of a home game for me. Um, my 15 year old daughter is going to be with me and she's going to help produce. I'm going to have to be on my best behavior. (laughs) Yeah. So I I will say this though. Um, the dry cleaners did a great job of that suit. I was kind of worried. It's one of my favorite suits and it came back perfect. So, uh, it's all good. I was going to ask that because I've never, you know, been one to jump into a pool in a suit. So I didn't know what was going to happen to that suit. I thought about I immediately thought about it. And I forgot to ask. I was like, I wonder what happened to Mike's suit if he was able to salvage that because I've not seen that happen before. I was just glad I didn't jump in with uh, A, my cell phone, uh, B, the wireless mic. Or see my wallet. So I was able to salvage all three. That was the, that was even the better news. See, I'm glad JD is appreciating the stuff that you do because when I try to do stuff like that, he just looks at me crazy. I jump in the pool, and <laughs> then you got it solved. Whatever. All right, Mike. We appreciate you joining on the show today, uh, and thanks for for joining us. You can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Neighbors, and uh, looking forward to all of your content with Aaron's and interviews with Drew Brees and all of the great content that you put out there, Mike. I will say this, we just shot an errands. We're going to have it in the next week or two with Roman Harper. You will not want to miss that. Uh, he, he took it up a notch. So I, I really appreciate uh, doing those with the Saints, and it was great being on with the two of you as well. Thanks to Mike for joining us on the show. Just a quick note before we get into our Fantasy Football Friday talk, you can go online right now to NewOrleansSaints.com and vote your favorite black and gold members into the 2020 Pro Bowl. All you have to go, all you have to do is go to NewOrleansSaints.com. We have a graphic up. It's lime green. You can't miss it to vote on the Pro Bowl for 2020. Or you can go to NFL.com slash Pro Bowl slash ballot and you can find everything you you need right there on NFL.com. Again, vote your favorite members of the black and gold into the 2020 Pro Bowl. All right, let's get into some Fantasy Football Friday with Derek James. As always, we have our Fantasy Football Analyst in the building, Derek James. Derek, 
first of all, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Caroline. How about yourself? I'm good. So my league right now, I'm 8-2 and two on the one team that I had. And I do have to tell you about this because we didn't get a chance to speak last week. Yeah. I had started Sterling Shepard. Nice. And do you remember, like, two weeks ago, like 30 minutes before game time, he was like, oh, I'm out. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it, it was my one loss to someone in our league that I really didn't want to lose to. Wow. I was very hurt. Wow. Was very hurt. So I meant to tell you about that. Yeah, but, you got to um, be on top of it so yeah. early in the morning. Yep, yep. All right, so how did your teams do this weekend? I, I'm 8-2, and two, so I'm going to go ahead and brag about that. How did your teams do? My team, I actually had a great week. I went 3-0 uh, three, three and oh, uh, this past week, and – um, this is my second week in a row going three and zero, so it's I'm starting to starting to catch my groove here. I um, I'm eight and two in my my main auction league, mm -hmm. and then I'm five and five in my other two. I got off to a bit of a slow start, had some injury problems with Pat Mahomes, and uh, also had a uh, an issue with some points against. I was getting killed in that category, but now Mahomes is back. He came back, looked like he never never left. Yeah, man, and, Pat, uh, Pat Mahomes is is kind of inhuman at this point. And it, but it's it's insane to me how many quarterback injuries we've seen this year. It feels like it's a lot more than usual, right? Yeah, it has been. It has been a lot a lot of starting quarterbacks going down. So it's you've you've had to stream a lot more than you're used to probably. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's go ahead and get into things. Uh, we know that the Seahawks are on their bye week this week, so that affected my team. But who are your stardom players going into this week? Uh, one play I really like this week is Jimmy Garoppolo. He is going against Arizona. Uh, and just two, three weeks ago on Halloween night, he threw four touchdown passes against them. Arizona has the 31st-ranked pass defense, and they are giving up the most fantasy football points to quarterbacks this year. Wow. So I think that Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners could have a big game. Anyone else in mind for the starters? What about defense? I know I had to change defenses this week because I had Seahawks as my defense. Nice, nice. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. So defensively, I like Oakland this week. Okay. They're playing against the Bengals, who are starting Ryan Finley at quarterback. The Bengals are giving up the fourth most fantasy football points to defenses this year. And it's always important to pay attention to defenses. Those extra few points could make the difference between winning and losing. So yeah. I'm glad you brought up that topic. Yeah. All right, we got into our starters, Derek. Now we have to talk about the sit -em players. You know, we, we talked earlier about the Arizona Cardinals. It seems like teams have been picking them apart this year. But who are your sit -em players going into this weekend? Uh, one guy that's been a pleasant surprise this year as a fantasy prospect has been Kyler Murray. He's been, he's been really very solid. I mean, I, I've, I've won games because of Kyler Murray. Wow. But this is a week that I'm probably going to sit him, even though he's coming off of a 300-yard, three-touchdown game against Tampa Bay. Mm. This week he's going against the 49ers, who has the best pass defense in football statistically, and they're giving up the fewest fantasy points to, to quarterbacks this year. So mm. he's a guy I'm probably going to sit on my bench. It's, uh, it's, the Niners have become a fantasy football graveyard for players, so yeah. I'm, I'm going to stay away from that matchup. All right, time now for my favorite part of this segment is the sleepers. We know we talked about the Seahawks on a bye. You have three other teams on a bye this week. Who are your sleepers going into this weekend? I have a handful of them. Okay. Uh, J.D. McKissick, he's one of them. He's 29% he's owned, the Detroit Lions running back. Um, if Ty Johnson doesn't practice today, he's out with a concussion. He could be in line to start this weekend. Um, he's put up double-digit fantasy points each of the last couple of weeks, and he played 57 snaps last, last week. So he could be a guy that, that – get some good volume for you. Um, another guy, uh, Darius Geis, uh, the former LSU running back, former second-round pick. Um, he's playing with 
with the Redskins. They're going against the Jets this, this week. Jets have a good rush defense, but he should get plenty of volume behind Adrian Peterson. Dwayne Haskins is struggling at quarterback, so look for them to lean on guys a little bit more. Okay. Anyone uh, else? Uh, Curtis Samuel. He's another guy I think's been underrated. He's only 78% owned in fantasy football. Wow. Uh, he's, he's the Carolina Panthers receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've had some up-and-down games with their quarterback position, but he's a guy that's going against Atlanta who's given up the fifth-most fantasy football points to receivers this year. So he, he could be a guy that, that, that steps up this weekend. All right, Derek, as I mentioned, we are recording this this show on Thursday, this part of the show on Thursday ahead of times because of scheduling. So we are not going to be able to talk about tonight's game tomorrow. But do you have any <laughs> thoughts going uh, at, going moving forward about tonight's game? Excuse yeah, so uh, I, I think the last time Mason Rudolph and Baker Mayfield met on a gridiron was back in college, o, OU against Oklahoma State. Wow. And they, cool. uh, the final score was 62-52, to 52 and they had <laughs> over 1,000 yards of offense. That's not happening tonight. Yeah. It's going to probably be your typical Thursday night snoozer type game. Uh, but two guys I really like, not only for tonight, but moving forward, that I think could win you, your league down the road. Uh, Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. He is somehow still only 76% owned, and he's a, you're talking about a former league rushing champ. Uh, last week he had 14.4 points. Uh, if you're looking at a PPR league. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're targeting him a lot in the passing game. He's, he's going to work in cohesion with Nick, Nick Chubb out in Cleveland. So go grab him if, he, if you're in one of these lucky leagues that he's still available. Um, and one guy, uh, another guy I want to mention is James Washington. He's a guy I talked about, I think, on our very first episode or, or the first show that I was on. Mm-hmm. He's only 8% owned, but uh, he's in his second year. He's, he's, he got off the slow start this year. But last week he had six catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. Wow. He has a chemistry with Mason Rudolph from the, from their days back in college at Oklahoma State. So this could be the time where James Washington starts to starts to starts to shine a little bit. I don't know about you, but this game tonight I am looking forward to because I feel like Pittsburgh and Cleveland both have something to prove. Cleveland, they're just tired of people talking about how mm-hmm. much talent they have and how bad they're doing. Pittsburgh, everyone's like, wow, they've done so well, yeah. you know, despite the circumstances. So I'm really looking forward to yeah, this game tonight. Yeah, this is a great matchup. I mean, Pittsburgh, I, I, they, they lost a little bit of that luster with Ben Roethlisberger going down, mm-hmm. but they are they're chugging along. It's a good football team, and Cleveland's got a lot to prove. They've, they've been a – disappointment but you're right this is going to be a a very good matchup tonight all right well i'm looking forward to it derek thanks so much for joining us and uh thanks for as always for providing your fantasy football uh analysis thanks for having me as always caroline Today's show was brought to you by SeatGeek. If you're trying to find tickets to football games or any other live event, it can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing. With SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple taps. With their deal score technology, they rank the most valuable seats based on price, location, to historical data, and more. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase. Yes, that is you. You get $20 off your first purchase when you use the SeatGeek app. Use code GOSAINTS at checkout. 
SeatGeek score the best deals on tickets. All right, thanks to Mike D- Neighbors and Derek James for joining us on the Friday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Of course, thanks to JD. You can watch him on Sunday for the pregame and postgame show. And of course, you can watch kickoff for the New Orleans Saints. They kick off against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at noon on Sunday. You can watch the game on Fox. Again, kickoff is at noon. You can watch the pregame show with your own John DeShazer on NewOrleansSaints.com or the Saints app. That'll be around 10 a.m. there in Raymond James Stadium, so don't forget about that. Or you can download the Saints app and you will get notified of when that pregame show is live. And of course, Mike Haas will host the postgame show as I am covering Pelicans on Sunday. So watch him on the postgame show on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app. All right. Again, the New Orleans Saints take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the on Sunday on Fox. You can also listen in on WWL 870 AM with Zach Street and Deuce McAllister. All right. Hope to be coming to you on Monday with a winning podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody.